everyone what is happening happy new year and all that we've uh, had a few weeks off from recording the podcast over the christmas period i always think this time of year is a bit of a break in the world of golf i mean golf is pushed aside certainly in my mind anyway and the likes of the premier league and football is front and center even the darts generally gets my attention a little bit more than golf does around christmas and new year's um, but with that said, there is actually a nice few bits bubbling along at the moment. Um, we've obviously got John Ram looking to go grow the game with Liv. Um, we've passed the deadline of when Liv and PGA Tour were supposed to have completed a deal. Um, but I've heard very little about what's actually going on there um, since the 31st of December, which is when that deadline was. Um, we've got rumblings of Tiger potentially leaving Nike. Jason Day has actually left Nike in the last few days. Um, it's emerged, so I wonder if golf or, or if Nike are exiting the world of golf entirely. Rory was on the, the Gary Neville podcast the other day, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, and of course, the PGA Tour is actually back this week with the Century Tournament of Champions in Hawaii. Very strong field there. Um, so um yeah quite a few bits tipping along uh joining me to discuss is cooper and joe um but joe firstly you're jumping on a flight next week to get yourself over to melbourne uh, to play some golf in the sunshine with me how are you feeling yeah very excited uh it's been hammering down uh rain for the last three weeks here so i'm buzzing to to get over your side and uh maybe get out and play your uh your lovely golf course out there we might try and play uh one or two on the sand belt i think that's the plan so um no buzzing buzzing to get out and we're gonna kind of pop over and see the aussie open i think as well so that'll uh that'll be good good to see yeah buzzing and cooper you've actually been playing a bit of golf the last while despite winter yeah yeah i've been um been tipping along like i moved moved back to Terman Feck in full time around September and I guess the golf kind of went from playing once maybe twice a month and standing on the first tee and thinking is this how I hold the club to uh, playing three times a week and actually like being fairly dialed in so yeah, good few rounds. yeah four under power rounds in a row so <clears throat> um now it's only off the greens and sea points so it is a it is a bit of a shorter course but it's still not it's no walk in the park um but yeah hopefully can uh, can kick on now in the new year and get down to plus 1.9 to qualify for the east and have a bit of crack there in Baltra. yeah that would be pretty insane so the plans get to one point plus 1.9 get into the east what are you exactly now uh 0.7 okay i'm still counting i think a 78 a 77 a 76 so yeah a few level power rounds could be could be very helpful that would be pretty sweet well we'll all be watching with bait of breath 
um, on on how that goes. That would actually be very cool. Getting into the you East guys League. be will you be back by then? No, June Bank Holiday. Potentially could be oh. could be on the bag caddying for you. <laughs> some crap. Get a uh, just get on the get on the bag for Niall Carroll or Mark Nolan. We'd have a, some session down there at all the all the lads. That would be class. Um, but anyway, plus con. That's what you need to do. Sorry, say that again. Get yourself to plus. Yeah, I bloody wish. Um, struggling big time with the golf at the moment. But anyway, so the PGA Tour is back this week. So before we talk about John Ram and all that stuff, let's um, let's talk some golf. So the Hawaii is always the the start of the PGA Tour season, um, and the island of Maui apparently is still recovering from fires they had in in August, um, but. The tournament this year is no longer made up of just previous uh, the previous season's winners. Um, it's got a bigger field, includes uh, okay the winners, but also players who qualified uh, for the BMW Championship <clears throat> in the playoffs last year. So um, the only of the the sixty players who qualified to be in the field, the only one who's not going to be playing is Rory. Who never really goes to Hawaii uh, in, in January, and now uh, because of the th- there's been changes to the signature events and these designated events. But anyway, he's not there. But the field is very strong. Um, Joe, always hard to know um, how they're gonna rock up first week of the year. Uh, but what are your thoughts? Um, I was I was saying to you before he jumped on, I was like, oh, I forgot it started last time. I was going to back Colin Morikawa, and oh, he's top of the leaderboard. He's coming second. <laughs> coincidence, yeah, yeah, coincidence that you were backing him. No, it's uh, yeah, it's good to be back. This is definitely like started as you said. Rory's missing. Uh, Ram's obviously missing as well for for different reasons. But it's yeah, it's it's um, going to be interesting to see how some of them are playing because it's been considerable time since they played proper competitive golf i know we had the the hero world in december but it's it's only a field of 20 and it's a bit you know it's a bit of an exhibition um of a tournament uh so yeah full field they as you said they've only opened it up i think top 50 in the fedex last year and anyone who won so which makes it a lot better because i think before you might only have kind of 25 to 30 playing depending on the number of winners there was in the previous season um so it's definitely better to have a bigger field. One thing they need to do as well is make sure that their the score isn't too low. If you remember, it was a Cam Smith shot thirty two under in this two years ago, um, which is just ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, based on the first round score, and it's it's it it's it's on on course for something close to that. But um, but still, it's it's good it's good to see good to see the guys playing. I saw Mark Howe actually is using um. Taylor May's new Taylor May's new um QI10 driver, but he's gone for the uh he's gone for the max version, which is seen as like the the amateur mid, mid handicap kind of version. I think he was saying that the guys in the Taylor made uh truck were kind of looked at him twice, you know, question why he wanted that one, but he just said, you know, it's it's it suited him. And I think he's he's only just left the sim as well, uh Taylor made sim that he was used. He used for the his PGA Tour or PGA Championship win in twenty twenty. So he's been he's been he's been on that driver a long time. So he's just made the switch and he's obviously obviously hitting it fairly well last night anyway. 
so he didn't go with the stealth obviously when it came out no no neither he obviously skipped the stealth and the stealth too so he missed like two two years of their models uh he wasn't the only one to stick with the sim though as well i think i think tiger might have um might, might have kept the same as well when he yeah when he a few of the guys him. had uh if they didn't if they stuck if they switched to the the stealth or stealth two drivers some of them had the same woods in the bag like a lot of them didn't make the full transition into the stealth range which is interesting mm. i wonder what the crack is with the manufacturers like that with the likes of TaylorMade. i presume there is no obligation to use the, the latest i presume they can just get away with, with whatever um mm. I wonder did, did Cantley get a club sponsor yet? Because he was obviously, I think he was a free agent with with uh, manufacturers. Because I think these days they they're saying like they're getting so much money from sponsorship from you know just throwing a name on their hat or t shirt that they want the you know um, discretion you know the ability to to be able to to pick hand pick what clubs they they want to use. Joe, um, that's absolutely loved that uh, you threw in the hat reference there for Cantley, really well played. Ryder <laughs> Cup. Uh, he's always I think he's still a Titleist. Like he has he's Titleist irons, he's Vogue, he's I'm not sure what kind of drivers he's using, but is he is he not a Titleist tour staffer now? His contract expired last year, I think. So I don't know. Oh, okay. I, I was talking from not renewing it. So um but yeah it's it's in it's an interesting one because I don't think the manufacturers are willing to pay as much unless you go 13 clubs i think putter they can do whatever they want but i think a lot of their contracts are like mandatory 13 clubs um so some of them are just you know saying that the the, the gain isn't worth it um, yeah the putter the putter one is interesting as in like if you're with titleist obviously if you scotty cameron you're kind of happy happy enough to to throw that in the bag but um at the same time um Two of last year's most notorious, notoriously bad putters. Uh, in well, to be fair, as Alatoris didn't play a lot last year, but uh, someone who definitely has the ips on the green. Uh, he's gone to like this uh, LAB or Lab uh, putter. Um, it's uh, it. I was going to say it seems to be working a bit better, but yeah, he still looked very shaky um, when he made his kind of seasonal reappearance and. Scotty Scheffler is using a brand called Olsen. They look like kind of custom, custom milled uh, faces. They're like nearly a grand each, but like in terms of actually kind of obligations with sponsors, yeah, I'd say if uh, for the for the guys who are struggling in a particular area, and usually on the green, it is only a thirteen club commitment, and then do whatever you want where you're <laughs> where you're really mentally struggling. Well, Scheffler's obviously had issues with his pudding and he's got is it phil kenyon that he's got the, the pudding coach yeah uh, so yeah i presume like i mean when it comes to putters yeah yeah you, you want to get the honeymoon period with a new putter and stuff so yeah but sure you um, like, remember looking at me i think he was six to one this week and i, I did back him like that would have been would have been my tip like absolute useless fav back and tip but like it's 17 top tens and 23 starts last year Led strokes gained in pretty much everything, and then was 162nd in putting. Like it's just if he if he could get someone else to take the putts for him, he, he would have won. I don't know how many times last year. Like it would have been a bit frightening. But yeah, if he can sort that out and stick with the 
stick with how he's playing. Tita Green, he could be a like proper tiger-esque animal moving forward. Well, on that point, so talk about Scotty Sheffer's year last year, um, given where we are, early January 2024, looking back on the year of 2023, um, okay, live is the obvious thing that stands out, but anything non-live related, what do you think? What What are the big things of 2023 that jump into your mind from a purely golfing perspective? Uh, Ludwig, I would say, is is huge. Uh, obviously, that was the la- la- latter part of the year. He's um, he's already got a, a win on the PJ Tour and the, the DP World Tour and played Ryder Cup before he played a major. So that was that was pretty impressive. And, you know, he's he's definitely he's going to break into the top five, probably. I, I know, could be could be end of the end of this year. <clears throat> you could see him. I see him picking up, picking off a few wins. Uh, Hovland, I think, was another one like showed his class uh, and ability to kind of break into that. You know, we had the the McElroy Ram Scheffler trio who were kind of very very clear front runners, and I think Hovland broke into that um, and made made that four realistically definitely definitely towards the latter part of the season. He obviously won the Memorial and then. Um, then took uh, the the was the BMW and the, the FedEx obviously the Tour Championship, so that was another one. And then did you just <laughs> on, just on Hovland, uh, like just on Hovland, did you see he split with Joe Mayo, his chipping coach. Like he went from he went from like outside the top hundred to kind of inside the top thirty and stroke gained, kind of around the green, and is now split with Mayo. So the man who I'd say takes deserves a lot of the credit for that. That rise, uh, he, he just no, he just said he didn't want to comment on it. So something must happen. But like to Joe's point, unbelievable year, and like if it's not broken, don't fix it. But he's, I don't know, is he trying to fix it or did something else happen? But it's interesting. Mm. Yeah, he's. I don't. Yeah, didn't hear about that. So it's interesting. You think he'd stick with what a uh, what he was doing exactly right because. Yeah, it worked out, and even in even in the Masters, remember he contended uh, in obviously early part of the year, so st- started contending in the majors. Yeah, what was it, sure? Because that um, there was a few really dinky chips. I'll never forget the one around uh, on the tenth. I can't remember which day. Maybe it was day one or two. Up uh, on ten, right of the bunker, right up on the hill. On the right of the you mean? Uh, no, no, in the Masters in Augusta, and like it was kind of. He was notoriously bad chipper in 22 and then just pulls off this absolutely immaculate chip on one of the Tilford shots in the entire course. And it's like, Jesus, we could be in for a good year. And who could forget his chip on the first in the Ryder Cup when he chipped in? Oh. Absolutely magic. Absolutely. So, Joe, okay. Uh, Aberg and Hovland for you. Any, anything else? Well, Brian Harmon ruined the Open. That was another one. <laughs> Brian Harmon did and ruin I got to see that in the flesh as well. So, yeah, yeah, he took away Tommy's chance to uh, to to have a great to have a great win with the home crowd. Taking but, uh, seventeen minutes over every single shot that he hit. Yeah, yeah, seeing seeing that waggle in in person, ne- I'll never forget that side. Okay, and Cooper, what about you? Twenty thirteen. What are the big things that jump out? 
2013, I'm not sure, Con. 2023. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, like I think I, I can't take uh, Joe's one there because I think, Joe, you called Aberg like uh, before he turned pro. Like, remember he was playing with Donald in Detroit and you were like, yeah, this could be a Ryder Cup candidate. Like, I think you're not laughed out of the place, but like it was a ballsy call and it, it came off. Like, he's just... Even when I was at the Ryder Cup, like he's an absolute unit of a man. He must be six three four, and just the power he has is frightening. But like, what is he thirty second in the world now? I yeah, I, I think he's winning the major this year. And like, winning the major only, this year—that's a huge call. Yeah, but he's like, what? He, he's only been a pro six months, six or seven months, and he has two wins on both tours. The biggest ever Ryder Cup win margin with Victor Hovland against Scotty and Brooks. Like he's just like the things he's done in six months or seven months, however long it is, is like pretty incredible. And yeah, like he'll be he'll be contesting at all the majors. And if he can just kind of keep up this rate of regression, yeah, I think he I'm backing him for the Masters anyway. Rookie, rookie to win the Masters, absolutely bold, bold show, but um really really excited to see how he gets on this year and actually playing a major um what else uh, the, the the best moment for me in 23 was uh, nick taylor win the comedian open that was just absolute like the best thing to watch outside the majors that was just an incredible i guess bit of history what was it over 100 years since a canadian had won it or something like that and uh to cap it all off then adam hadwin getting absolutely blasted by security <laughs> guard Oh, uh, that was yeah, that, that was that was the most enjoyable, let's say, tournament uh, I watched last year. Um, Joe, big omission there from your three. What about uh, the the new king of golf, Michael Block? Oh wow! If I, was gonna say you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that yeah, if Dave was here now. That'd be his highlight of twenty three. Yes. <clears throat> Jesus, yeah, it's still well. To be fair, now let's like remove everything post us open and some of the comments maybe during it like it was an incredible feat and it was amazing to watch and the chip the up and down on 18 was yeah like outrageous so it was it was a very cool moment but yeah the media got a hold of him and used him for every every like and impression he was worth mm. yeah so michael block Big highlight. And what, sorry, what, what what did you say the other one was? Just the Canadian Open in general. Canadian uh, Open, yeah, yeah, fair. Um, Neyberg. I, yeah, I mean, all those points that you make from both of you would, would definitely be memorable. I'd forgotten about the Canadian Open buzz and even the Michael Block stuff, which was just outrageous. It's funny that maybe it's me just being completely biased, but the thing, or got my Rory hat on. The thing that when I look back on the year that was, I look at, Kepka passing Rory out in the major counts, going from four to five. And I think that was actually pretty significant because it just, it kind of cements Kepka as the best player of this generation, really. And then to back that up, I think immediately of Rory losing to Wyndham Clark at LA Country Club for, for US Open. Um, and I, I was, I was thinking, like, does that spark something in Rory this year? But, like, every year you 
I, well, certainly I think along those lines of of Rory being ignited and winning more majors, and I'm always hopeful at the start of the season. But I I really thought that that was a significant one last year. Like if we were looking back over history, I think like the Aberg thing that will probably be played in years to come because he will probably go on to do something big and people will look back on last year and say in the same way that when tiger burst onto the scene in what 96 or whatever aberg i mean i'm not saying he's gonna be a tiger's level sorry we're definitely gonna be uh, slag for saying that but that was significant and i think kepka going ahead of rory on the major count cements him as possibly the best player of this generation so for me i thought that was actually pretty significant well, it was. It's what was it? it that, this year was crossing the ten-year major drive for Rory. Like it's imagine saying that ten years ago, he won't win a major for a decade. Mm. Like it's just un, unthinkable, really. And it's not like he's playing bad. What's he? I think there was someone put up a post. Um, if you backed Rory to finish in the top ten in the last ten tournaments, you'd be up five and a half grand. Like, sorry, put a hundred on him to finish top ten in the last ten tournaments because he's. He's mm -hmm. done it every tournament. Like he's playing unbelievable golf, but yeah, hopefully now that he's kind of stepped away from the <clears throat> the the commotion and the the circus that is PGA PIF LIV fucking acronyms. Um, he can he can actually focus on golf for once. And like I think, Tom, we mentioned we were watching the what was the uh, Stick to Football podcast with Roy Keane and Gary Neville and the lads. And even on that, he not only had he kind of it's it's really nice listening to him talk in a relaxed setting like that, especially with non-golfers, because he is he's a he's an interesting guy to listen to. But even his stance on the the live guys, it's total total three sixty. Like it's he's gone from, and he even admitted himself. He's like I I may be in a very privileged position myself and Tiger because I don't know six or sorry not six nine figures. Um isn't enough to pull us into a competitive league or competitor league, but he, he didn't look at the situations of other players who mightn't be in top tens every single week and getting the endorsement deals he's getting. So yeah, it's, it's a, I, I, I to be honest, I think he's just completely given up um, and said, right, it's, it's going to happen. Um, in the back of his head, it's probably more the PIF and their, what is it? Six or 800 billion dollar fund is, is just going to bury the PJ tour if there isn't a deal made um the extension was uh an extra three months i think so again this show is going to drag on for another an time. arbitrary number if you ask me yeah. it's in like you know the deadline of 31st of december was purely made up I yeah mean, well i think they had to get it extended i can't remember it was the sec or the department of justice in the u.s but uh they caught it anyway and like it will happen now it's 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 uh it's an inevitable it's yeah it's a it's a when not if but uh hopefully now that McElroy's he's actually able to focus on golf and he completely says like fuck the rest of this stuff I'd need to actually prioritize my game hopefully he can end that drought in in 2024. Just yeah. see he um he was saying sorry did um he was he was doing a review with the stats guys and in, uh, like when he peaks and, you know, with, with, you know, thinking of Augusta and he said that it's, it's May, June, July kind of time that, um, that he plays best golf. And it's because he's, he's well honed at that point. He's played loads of tournaments and that he's, he's been rusty going into the masters. Now he's, he's probably tried everything going into Augusta. I'm sure. 
um I, th- I think it's well documented you know taking rests you know playing loads but i suppose stick to that one process and and hopefully he can he can peak because he's just he said himself that he's been a bit rusty and i think he probably has like missing the cut last year like you know it's 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 unthinkable and like I think I, th- I think that's definitely the way for him to do it. Uh, just play as much as he can. Obviously, he's not playing this week, but he'll kick it off in Dubai in two weeks' time, and then you know, obviously, play those all those signature events and and whatnot. So, um, hopefully, hopefully that'll work out, and the the putter will behave for him as well. Because I mean, like he's he's had loads of good performance at, at Augusta, just hasn't um, hasn't cracked it. Well, it's so yeah, interesting. Well, sorry, sorry Con, just on the just on that. Um, point joe and on the on the podcast about the masters last year and like him missing the cut like it was obviously like seismic kind of in the world of golf for the the man who was probably gonna take the green jacket is missing the cut but he he said he, he shot level power on day one sorry this is off the sticks football podcast um he shot level power on day one went out in the afternoon on day two and i think he was walking down maybe two or sorry he saw kepka walking up eight or nines and he was on like i don't know one or two i'm not sure where they cross over and he saw he was at nine under and suddenly he was looking nine ten shots off the lead and he absolutely went for it at the start of day two and the eventual winning score ended up being 10 under so like he he said he for once he looked at the leaderboards let it get to him and like completely blew it which was really kind of interesting kind of thought process he thought the finished finishing score was going to be in the high teens with Kepka just finishing up or sorry not even finishing up 27 holes in he's at nine under so yeah it was uh maybe maybe a reason for the, the miscut but yeah I, I don't think he'll ever let that happen again uh he was fairly honest on the on the podcast so uh just an interesting insight into that freak incident yeah, well, I I thought it was fascinating that exactly what you described, Cooper, of, of um, how psychologically he just never seems to be in a great place at Augusta, and he admitted that himself, and and that little story about Kepka and looking at leaderboards. I think that's interesting, Joe. What you're saying about the stats, I hadn't I hadn't actually heard that he had come out and done an analysis and saw the time of year that his game peaked. But I like I'd have to challenge that. I wonder as well, like. He's he won in Dubai last year. What first event uh, in the season? And then he, I always seem to think he does well in Abu Dhabi. Now I do always think he does well in August when like Tour Championship rocks around. I feel like the pressure's kind of gone at that stage. Um, it's just purely mental. Whatever block he has with Augusta, and he keeps saying like, "Oh, I'll do this one thing this year and another thing next year." And Clearly, he just wants to win the bloody thing so badly. And, like, what do you do? Mm. You're banging your head against the wall for 15 years. You can't get it done. So you're always going to look at this stuff. But I mean, he's had two of his best chances yeah. over the last two years as well. Like, the, 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 sorry, I don't mean with the Masters, but I mean with like the Open against Cam Smith and, as you said, Con, the US Open against Wyndham Clark. Like, he's playing well enough to, to, to do, to do one of these if we're talking about, you know, the majors, uh, all four of them. And statistically, 2022, I think, is his best year ever. Um, if you look at, like, strokes gained, all the different stats. Um, and 2023 is his fourth best. So we're talking about, you know, out of, what, 15 seasons, McElroy's played professional golf. So he's playing well enough. 
so it has to, yeah it, look we've we've dissected this before like you know mental but like he he is playing well and like i do think if he keeps throwing himself at it like Wyndham just happened to play the best you know round of his life there last year and never forget the disaster on 18 when he blocks a 40 yards right and somehow catches a piece of the fairway and uh, that was yeah, that was that was a bit of a mystery um so but like yeah he's, he, like he's playing he's really um, the other thought thing that I thought was fascinating from that Rory interview was he said he had a conversation with Yazir, um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his second name, the guy who's head of the, the PIF. And what I found particularly interesting was that it seemed, having spoken to this guy, Yazir, that Rory softened his stance and he was kind of, he said that he, he liked what Yazir was talking about with, the, the team stuff with live and with the potential for franchises whatever so where i'm going with this is every time not every time but very often these players are against the whole live situation and then they have some sort of conversation with someone some sort of pitch from the live side and then they're kind of like oh this maybe isn't so bad and, and oh i've heard them out so where i'm going with this is Obviously, the biggest news in the last few weeks is that John Ram has gone. And I suppose the the question going on in my mind is, um, how, is it a case that, as I described there, John Ram genuinely heard these guys out and he liked what they had to say? Or is it a complete smash and grab where he sees the writing on the wall that there's going to be some sort of merger in the next couple of years or in the next year, probably, whatever it is? Um, he's going to take the big cash up front. He's exempt for all the majors for the next few years. He's going to play in those. He probably back himself to win more of those. Um, so I suppose where my long-winded question here is: What are your thoughts on the whole John Ram situation? Yeah, like as in, I I, I personally think like he might have had a conversation it doesn't change the the statements he made about what like around 12 months ago um saying he doesn't like the format uh it's not real golf no amount of money could bring me over and then he was dangled half a billion dollars and but i don't i don't think it was just the money i do think um ram like he he does want to play in the pga tour uh, and i to be honest you, you kind of you nearly have to agree with what he did because like the PIF and PGA are 100% going to make a deal. If they don't make a deal, the PGA tour is going to be absolutely pummeled by live or by the PIF. Um, so Jay Monaghan knows that all the boys on the board know that I think all the players know that now as well. Um, I'd say this was the kind of thing that was promised to the live guys when they went over. It's like, don't worry, we'll get a deal. And it was a leap of faith for a lot of them. Um, but for Ram, it was literally like, mate, we're going to have this done in three to six months. You're a bit of a needle here to help us put pressure on to get that deal done faster. Come over get your sign and bonus. You'll be back playing the PGA Tour before the Masters. I, I genuinely think that's kind of where his head was at. Like, it's not that he... You think that the, that, that the PIF guys and the Live guys would have laid out explicitly to not just John Ram, but all the guys in the past that this it's not necessarily... 
live that you're buying into it's the fact that we'll get a merger at some point um and well, yeah just... it's like they and to be fair like the for the lads who went early on like the the bubba watsons and the fucking range goats like they it it was really like it, it and i think if you ask them honestly and off the record they'd they'd say it was a bit of a gimmick because it's it's not like it's fucking shotgun start fucking 54 holes it's just like crazy golf like it's not i don't i hate the format and i don't think i'll ever kind of really i love the team element of it like i think there is a place for that an f1 style kind of team element to the pga tour that can happen a few weeks a year and there can be teams similar to what they've done with tgl like the boston common is a far better name than the fireballs so like there might be something there might be something there and whether they do something or merge them or keep them separate entities whatever happens but i 100 percent uh, like Phil, every time someone joins Live, Phil says, "Oh, not I told you so," but basically, as in, big things are coming. And I think the big thing that he's always said is coming is this merger, and they're finally just going to be able to play ball in both leagues. And anyone who doesn't take the money is an idiot. That's that's Phil. Like to be fair, he was he was the needle at the start. So I'd say as soon as uh, as soon as the <clears throat> the penny started dropping with a few lads. And then Ram comes over, like it's, and even Rory now taking a kind of totally different tone, like it just proves that it's not game over, but like we're, yeah, yes, here to be fair to him, he he wanted a seat at the table on the BJ Tour, he wasn't allowed one, he started a competitive league, and now he's going to be the chairman of the BJ Tour, so he 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 won at the end of the day, but at like also. Assuming it happens, at least we'll have all the players back together and we can stop all this nonsense. Joe, toss on John Ram. Yeah, it's well, it was inevitable. With, with I think we all knew it was coming before the actual announcement. It was kind of um, drip fed, I think, through the through the media. Um, yeah, and no, I was raging there to see him go. To be honest, um, it's a real turning point and makes the the deal you know a complete reality now because the pj tour have no choice like this in they've, they've absolutely nowhere to go i think because if they take one or two more it's all of a sudden the eyes have have turned completely um but yeah seeing him come out and say growing the game and stuff like that was was pretty was pretty disappointing like he made reference to, to the money and he kind he kind of said yeah yeah this is part of the reason but but yeah, just he he was just singing from the same hymn sheet. So it was we and we hadn't seen that in a while because I don't think they'd signed anyone from the PGA Tour in that in the whole like twenty twenty three season. I think it was you know it was a good year before they took anyone significant anyway. Um, you know, Cameron. They always have that script. It's obviously the media team at the live guys that say you just yeah, of but you would expect controversial. Like you'd expect John Ram to not. Like as to Joe's point, that growing the game bollocks. Like you'd hope he would have been the bigger man and said, like a Harold Varner the third approach. It's like lads, it's half a billion quid. Like what? Yeah, what but that, that's fair. But when it was like the interview that John Ram gave was a live organized interview oh. with David Faraday, and it's it's a mm. it's scripted. It's kind like you're David Faraday. These are the questions you ask John Ram. This is how you answer and we're paying you 500 million dollars you can take the heat for saying this yes and i think i think like you can't blame him as well 
because like the money is just it, it, it's ridiculous and you can you can see why he's also in he's also in a unique position that you know he's in all the majors he you know he's won the masters this year he's guaranteed five years of majors worst case scenario um and then he's just played the Ryder cup so he's probably thinking you know by the time 2025 bet page rolls around this is going to be sorted i'm going to be playing Ryder cup what do i care about four majors Ryder cup you know everything else in between doesn't really matter too much um so and then also i think mickelson's bro uh, brother was his coach at asu uh in the states that was a that was a sign garcia like very good mate um that was obviously a a factor even though he said it wasn't so i think it was always a good chance and even you know he was a clear he, he wasn't as vocal as rory in the opposition and the criticism of live and he was probably even more supportive of some of the guys that left so i don't think it's really a surprise but it is a surprise just because of how much of a you know as we mentioned the kind of three or four front runners in the game he was he's you know you know arguably the the strongest some would say um so that that is that is kind of um a bit of a wake-up call and i think i think the pj tour and under massive pressure now to 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 agree something because i think you know the pif has shown that they 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 have um sort of unlimited um unlimited wealth to to, to throw at this and they can they can take anyone they want yeah it was funny um thinking back to do you remember the awkward masters champions dinner and there's a there's a picture of Phil chatting to Ram outside. It was like a meme afterwards of like, I don't know, dad talking to his son kind of thing. And I, I don't like around then is when he was making comments like, I, I, I don't like live flat out. Uh, so I don't think those end happening. But like, you're dead right, Joe, in terms of like, not weak links, but like any kind of association through Garcia, through uh, Mickelson's brother, like those, he was the, the obvious candidate, Scotty just he's he's a great player but like he he isn't as marketable i'd say as a ram and rory wasn't even like according to the podcast he was never even made an offer so there was no that was and i also think with, with, the, with the ram situation though i do think back on like watching ram just casually and in, like interviews after rounds and press conferences that he gave that i did get the impression that he was a little bit pissed off that say the likes of rory were so vocal in terms of what's going on on the pga tour john ram didn't have as much of a say i remember there was one one thing in particular after that meeting in delaware where the pga tour lads uh like and rory and tiger were kind of the the two big dogs in that room where they basically called the shots and said we're doing these designated events and and that's it and I remember john ram like just a snide remark afterwards saying like oh sure I don't know what's going on with the schedule. You'd have to ask those guys. So I kind of got the impression that he was a little bit um, pissed off with with that. And obviously the fact that PGA Tour is getting into bed with Liv, I'm sure he's kind of like, well, I've lost complete trust in, in these guys anyway. And I, I think it's just opportunistic. Like, as I, as I kind of said with the question at the start, I think the fact that... Um, there's likely going to be this merger and there's this money on the table up front for him. And I think he's, he's kind of going to grab it. Um, just to that point gone as in, sorry, I think we, we both missed that when talking about it. Like that, that, that was the, that was the key point for a lot of guys. And I'd say Ram included, um, like the likes of Hideki Matsuyama, like at Japan, 
or a Masters winner from Japan would have been a massive scalp for Liv for just an enormous golfing market. And I think he was offered 300 million to go and listened to Tiger and Rory and said, no, no, I'm staying firm on the PGA Tour. And then a few months later, Jay Monaghan says, we're making a deal with the PIF. Like in terms of the trust the players put in the PGA Tour and the leaders of the PGA Tour to stay with them and stay strong against this kind of, I guess, this competitive league and to just be absolutely tossed down the street it's um that the the trust thing i, I wouldn't after after they kind of said oh we're going to make a deal after basically saying don't listen to this nonsense for two years um i wouldn't blame anyone for going after after that and and yeah like it's it's there's eventually going to be a merger how are the players who stay going to be compensated no idea how are the players going to who went going to be punished they won't so like it's yeah it's uh can't wait till it's all over to be honest I'm fucking sick of it are are either of you more likely to tune in to live now that john ram is there no not in its current format like i think that that's that's the big problem with the whole you know there's plenty of reasons to dislike but the i don't know the current format the commentary oh you know, the yeah the product as they'd say i suppose uh it's it doesn't doesn't appeal doesn't appeal to me at all was it rory was saying that one way he could see it was going and i i don't follow cricket at all now but he said it like the indian premier league the ipl where it's like right you've got a full season but you're you've got two blocks of four weeks where we're we're pure live i think that's what he was saying wasn't it it was like right maybe may you move the pga championship forward and back to august or something you, you give them may and then you give them october after the fedex is done and then you play four weeks of team events or whatever way they want to do it um so i mean even him even him saying that like you know like it's just an admission that like it is it is definitely coming but maybe that's probably the best way for it to be um integrated into the current structure I could probably see the FedEx like changing in some form because there's been a lot of giving out about it um, over the last few years. Like, and like it takes up four weeks and it's condensed right down. Like, it's, it's, yeah, it's not lost its appeal. I still love like East Lake and to kind of wrap off the year nearly, unless there's Ryder Cup after it. But like, it's, um, I'd say, if something was to to budge it might be the fedex cup in terms of do you remember there was talk of it being a match play event at the end of the year with the top however many like that could be amazing and it could be done in one week um but yeah like it, that's a that's a whole month of schedule that could be played with but yeah i think mcelroy said something like that he had he actually it obviously came from a conversation he had because he specifically named a few months in it uh so yeah like the, the only thing that would make me watch live this this uh, upcoming season is they're playing on the JCB course uh, for Live UK, mm. and that is meant to be. I've seen Rick Shields play it. Um, it's a private course that you can only play if you buy machinery from JCB, and it looks absolutely unbelievable. The seventeenth part three is just I go watch go watch Rick Shields play it. I think he plays with Tommy Fleetwood, but like. I, I will watch that week and live just because the course it's on. But like as Joe said, format wise, I could not give a shit. 
but this brings up a really good point. So I was having a, uh, after around a golf the other day, I was chatting with a few of the lads here in Melbourne, and so many of the people that I speak to out of the golf club, anyway, in my circles, um, are very pro live over in Australia specifically. And I think one of the well, a couple of reasons, obviously the Greg Norman factor, but also the fact that they came to Adelaide last year. And the way the conversation went was, I remember going to Adelaide last year and people were saying, this is the strongest field ever come to Australia, which was madness. That in all the years they're like, okay, Tiger had come and like the odd player had come the odd time, but there'd never been big events on in Australia like that in the past. And that how Liv was so welcomed and all that sort of stuff. And the 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 topic that we kind of got onto was, the fact that the PGA Tour, and Rory touched on this as well, the fact that the PGA Tour, uh, all the players are independent contractors and they've got their schedules that they can um, pretty much run themselves. And like when you go to live, you're paid an obscene amount of money, but you show up every single week. And I think Rory said in that podcast the other day that that was one of the big weaknesses that the that live exposed in the PGA Tour. And obviously it's the reason for the designated events and all that sort of stuff. And it, it, I was thinking that like with say, either live or whatever if it was pga tour like what live have done so well is getting these players under contracts that they have to show up every week like if i play football for manchester united and i have to play 50 games a year and if i have to go on a summer tour or whatever i have to do that like the, i am paid i'm contracted by this club and i have to do that and i think with with live i think that works so well and i would love if the pga tour or whatever this merger was did a similar way that the players were contracted to go and play certain events. And that in, say, this time of year, when Australia, like we're in the middle of the golfing season here in Australia, that that there has to be events, like a three-week swing in Melbourne or whatever it was. And then there was like the Lynx swing in the middle of the summer. And that they had all these events that these players were 100% obliged to go to. And that you didn't have all these sponsors that's currently happening on the PGA Tour that are pulling out at the moment, the likes of Wells Fargo and all these that are pulling out because players cannot commit to tournaments. Um, and you just don't have that problem with Liv. Now, I agree that Liv is not the answer in its current format, and I think the shotgun start and the bloody names and all that sort of stuff, there's so many bad things about it. But I do think that the, the team aspect of Liv, there's something in that. And secondly, which is not talked about enough, is the contract situation that these players, if you are paid huge money to play on the PGA Tour, you should not have as much freedom as you do to pick and choose where you go for sponsors, for fans, for everyone else. I think the players should be obliged to play, like basically a, a, a set schedule. Yeah, I think the I think that's completely fair point, and it was getting so broken up. Like players were picking cherry picking which tournaments suited them you know and, and that's i think that's why they came up with the designated events signature events as they're calling them now but y- yeah you need y- you can't have you can't have only one guy you need because the, the only guy that you I'll, I'll really just watch a tournament for no matter who he's playing against is, is rory like like ram's playing the you know he plays the is the andalusia masters every year like and I wouldn't really just tune in for Ram. I wouldn't tune in just for Scheffler. But if Ram, Scheffler, and Hovland are playing in a, a tournament, I'll definitely, I'll definitely throw an eye over that. Like you know, so it's absolutely imperative. And then I think did Rory skip more than one designated event last year? So and they had a rule where they could only miss one. So it it sort of undermined the whole structure. You know, the whole mandatory turning up. So. 
I think, and I think that's what Rory said as well. He said like PGA Tour have gotten away with it for years. Like they haven't, they haven't had a good um, product for for people to watch. And when you're dividing up eyes, like you can't, you can't do it. You've got, as you said, kind of football. Like he, you've got, you know, billions of viewers basically like around the world. Golf, you just don't have that. So you need to, you need to, you know, channel it all into into one area. And you know, I think we said it before. Like there's. There, there's the four majors and like let's going back two years there's the four majors and probably five to six other events where you'd get the top guys uh playing together that's not enough like 10 you know that's less than 25 percent of the year so they've got to they've got to find a way to to improve that and yeah live are obviously doing that because that's obviously they have to play every single event or else yeah I don't know. They're 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 in big trouble. No, but it is. It's uh, like I think it it all boils back to um, that that fucking word product. Um, like if um, if BJ Tour is selling a designated event, they're basically saying to the sponsor of these top thirty guys, twenty nine of them are going to show up, and at least then they've some sort of security and the sponsor saying that right the viewing numbers are going to be about this instead of yeah as you said con the wells fargo like events like that like fair play to barbasol for still sponsoring that event because i'd say it's the lowest fucking rated golf event on the planet even mind live but like they they just can't if if the if the players aren't there it's all it's all well and good if you get a nice end to a tournament like again just using the canadian open as an example like that was a bit of history and the canadian won it and the buzz was unbelievable and like it it still had a really good field and like mcelroy's won there before and it was it was a great finish an amazing finish but you you can't be kind of i guess relying on grandstand finishes you have to be able to say at the start of the week how many people are going to watch this how are we going to measure this based on who's playing and I think the designated or signature events were were a step in the right direction, but yeah, at the same time, that point you made con about the the the, the best field in in Australian golf in years, like that's that's a shocking statement. Best field ever. Like that's that just shows how neglected Australia was by the PJ Tour and by golf, and why someone like Greg Norman, like is 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 on a complete vendetta to 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 ruin it. Um, not ruin it, but like, well, sorry, his initial plan was to ruin it, and now I think uh, he'll be he'll be left by the wayside as a a, a, a useful idiot um, after the 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 merger is done. But yeah, it's it, I think it's just been it's it's been a bad few, bad few years post COVID, or even kind of yeah, just since uh, Uncle Jay has been steering the ship, it's it's it, it's been very complacent. Um, uh, very entitled probably is maybe a good word for it in that I'm the PJ tour. We don't need to fucking bend for these lads. And now suddenly he's under pressure and yeah, it's uh lights out. Well, not lights out. He's going to be the fucking CEO of this new co. Like he's still going to be top dog underneath you see here as chairman. So like somehow uncle Jay's got out of this in the best case scenario and he's probably got a few quid for his troubles. So yeah, it's uh oh i can't wait till we get to the masters and we're just talking about fucking golf and it's like oh they're all back together it's back in paradise a few squabbles about 
John Ram getting 500 million and Rory getting nothing, but it doesn't matter. We're, we're all back in the, in the on the same course playing golf together. Yeah, right. We should at least begin to wrap it up just quickly before we do go. So this is obviously the first part of 2024. Um, any big, bold predictions for the year ahead for either of you? Well, Cooper's already given his, I think. The, the, he's, winning, he's winning a major and I, I'm just going to take a step further and say he's going to win the Masters. And and Rory. Sorry, two players to win majors, Rory and Awerk. Okay. Joe? I think Minwoo Lee is going to win something big, like something, you know, signature event, you know, like uh, at least something like that, you know, maybe a major. Uh, I, I think, think he's. He, right my mouth, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he's. That's, he's that's, one uh, to watch. that's convenient, con. Yeah, yeah. Mark, top like of the Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on, Joe. No, no, no. Just that. That's that's pretty much it. Just he he played he played very well in the in a couple of the majors last year, um, and a couple of the big events. So I think he was six in the players as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, and he's he's great to watch as well. Let let the man cook. No, but he he actually when he came to Europe as well, his record was outrageous. Every time he came back to Deep World Tour, he was in the hunt. Yeah, he's he's an absolute savage player. Like two wins at the end of the season as well, didn't he? Won the obviously the Australian one and then the Macau Open. The big oh, one, yeah. signature, I think. <laughs> the huge, yeah, I agree with uh, Minwoo I think. Especially again, me being based here, there's a lot of talk about him, and he's just a ripper, and he's got his full PGA Tour card. I think there's um, winning a major. I think I saw earlier that he's had either a top ten or a top twenty in all the majors now, um, and I really would not be surprised if he did get a, the job done in a major. Um, so yeah, that's it. Um, the only other thing that I came across when I was just preparing for this, I saw Dustin Johnson is going to be forty this year, lads. That is just mind blowing. I remember going to watch him when he was up and coming at the Walker Cup in 2007. Yeah. Young gun, and now he's going to be nearly 40. Jesus Christ! Yeah, that Walker Cup with Ricky, Rory, fucking number like they were practicing in Baltray. Uh, oh, were they? Yeah, Billy Horschel was in that, wasn't he? Yeah, Horschel played Rory like three times that week. Cantley was there, I think. Oh no, I said that was before Cantley's time. I know yeah, Colt and maybe a bit younger. It was an absolutely stacked field, yeah. Yeah, the amount of players that have come out of that Walker Cup and, and been huge. Um, so, right. Forty con, and also, I think, 160th in the world now as well. Yeah. Which is, well, yeah, interesting. Get live world ranking points as well. So. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> right. We will, on that beautiful note, uh, we'll have to wrap it up there. Uh, looking forward to a big year, 2024. Um, hope you enjoyed the pod and um, yeah, we'll chat to you next week.